Are we going to be talking like multiple directors? Or am I supposed to talk about like just one or like what am I? For the Star Wars stuff? Yeah. Or As in unless... like. What? You're talking like if if you had to choose directors, if you, you could. Like, like, should I choose? Like, are we going to like. Have, in the frame of the discussion, is it like. Oh, okay. Let's each suggest like one. Should I bring up like multiple people I'd like to see? Or are we just more talking about it in like a general sense? If you have specific, specific yeah, specific examples, you can bring up a few. Okay, because I want to talk about this guy. He's called Boshi. He uh, directs anime mostly with girls with cocks, and he's a really good cock girl director. I, so I, I'd really like to see what he could bring to the Star Wars universe. I don't think that's gonna fit. Del was not in my mouth. <laughs> Walked into that one. Just like I did. <laughs> what about? So you just stop talking. Podcast over. But I'm going home. I'm, I'm oh, done. There we go. That's all I wanted. I just wanted to get that one in real quick, right in those lips. What oh. happened to we I have you on record the last time you're on to not do girl cock references for ten too, years. This is too easy. <laughs> A hundred shows, I think you said. You didn't even make it one. I didn't even make it five minutes. It's over. Start the clock. Welcome to another episode of Bright Guy to Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Lamick. Joining me for this episode is Andy Stalls. What's up, podcast people? And Ian Lighting. Fuck it, I got nothing. Wow, that was a very simple intro for you. <laughs> hey guys. <laughs> Even Andy did it for you. <laughs> okay, I'm signing <laughs> off. This will be a fun time with everyone. Uh, check out my podcast, The Whirl. Um, I'm talking about hurling. Check it out on um, spankdocs.com. <laughs> you really had to think about that one for a minute, didn't you? I told you, I got fucking nothing. <laughs> Spent an hour <laughs> talking about nothing. Yeah, for the record, we <laughs> Ian and I have been <laughs> actually recording for about an hour while a- Andy's computer rebooted. So <laughs> I think Ian got all of the craziness out of his... Well, no, I shouldn't say all of this. I'm sure there's still something in there that he's ready to let loose, and I'm afraid when it's going to show up. All over his face. Release the Kraken! <laughs> Did you say all over his face? Is that what I heard? Yeah, I'm going to release it all over <laughs> his face, your face. That's that's great. And you brought it up, <laughs> and I'm bringing it down onto your face. Good start, guys! Words. I have to choose words better. <laughs> this is all getting cut. <laughs> Not even a half-hour episode this week. Yeah. Yeah, by the time this is all trimmed out of your, you know, once I trim all your bullshit out of here, it's going to be like 40 minutes, 20 minutes. Uh, All right, so on this episode, uh, we're going to cover a few headlines that come up for the last week or so, mainly focusing on two companies, uh, Warner Brothers, which owns DC, and Disney, which owns Lucasfilm. Both companies had some headlines that generated some buzz, and a lot of it is not good. Um, So kicking it off just with the Star Wars stuff for Disney and Lucasfilm, If you haven't been following the headlines, Lucasfilm and Disney dropped another bomb a few days ago. Colin Trevorrow 
Is it Trevor or Trevaro? Does anyone know how to say, say his last name? Is it like tomorrow, Trevaro? Let's go with that. Trevaro. Colin Trevaro, uh, who was announced as director for episode nine, probably about two years ago, is no longer involved with the project. Uh, before we start, start discussing sort of what all this means and where they could go from here, I'm going to try to summarize and go over the chain of events that sort of led to this decision, at least what I could try to piece together. Uh, so Trevorrow has only made three movies so far under his belt. His first one, Safety Not Guaranteed, was a smaller movie, but it was a critical hit. Now, when I was trying to research stuff and read things, from what I understand, Kathleen Kennedy had her eye on Trevorrow. I keep wanting to say Trevorrow. Uh, had her eye on Trevorrow even back then for a Star Wars movie, but Star Wars was just getting back into the public eye. They didn't want to take the risk with such a new director. Um... So then enter Steven Spielberg. Spielberg gave Trevorrow a chance with Jurassic World. That movie went on to become one of the biggest hits of 2015, and it is currently number four on the all-time highest-grossing movies list. And that's worldwide. Fourth highest-grossing movie worldwide. Trevorrow and his friend-slash-collaborator Derek Connolly wrote the screenplay for Jurassic World. Connolly also wrote Trevorrow's first movie, Safety Not Guaranteed. So, after Jurassic World became a surefire hit, Trevorrow was announced as the director for Episode 9, which they announced at D23 in August of 2015. Uh, Lucasfilm, at this point, uh, where they are planning to, I guess at that point in their, you know, what they're trying to do with the Star Wars franchise, at this point they're trying to kick off Force Awakens. It hasn't even been released at that point. So, they get J.J. to direct Force Awakens. It comes out. It's a massive hit. And then Lucasfilm goes full steam ahead with all their sequels and spinoffs that they have planned. So the next one that they tried, that Lucasfilm tried to push out, was Rogue One. That was directed by Gareth Edwards. Although if you believe the behind-the-scenes stories for that movie, this movie also had a troubled development cycle. Edwards was leaning hard into the gritty, realistic war movie tone, but now that Lucasfilm had a hit with Force Awakens, the franchise is rebooted, sort of, like, kickstarted again. Um, they wanted something that felt a little bit more classic Star Wars. So rewrites were done to the script. Tony Gilroy was quietly brought in to take over directing part of the picture, possibly even taking over some of the ed editing process, depending on what you read. His, his involvement is, I don't know, it fluctuates depending on what you read. Uh, but to Gareth Edwards' credit, he didn't fight it. He worked with Lucasfilm, allowed them to come in and, you know, mold this picture to sort of what they wanted. Everything seemed fine. The movie was re was released. It was both a critical hit, commercial success. Everybody was happy. Um, next for their slate is going to be the Last Jedi. Now this is this is a movie that absolutely has no bad hype around it. There's no rumors of behind the scenes drama. There's no confusion. Everyone involved with the movie seems really excited about what they have. So that's that's a good sign. However, a few months ago, Lucasfilm had another big shakeup for one of their standalone movies, the untitled Han Solo film. And this is something we covered on a previous episode when it happened. Phil Lord and Chris Miller were brought in to direct Han Solo uh, with a script from Loris Kasdan and his son, John. Lord Miller had a different tone in mind for the film than what Lucasfilm wanted. Um, Kathleen Kennedy and, and Lawrence Kasdan had their vision for the film, what it should be didn't really vibe and mesh with what Lord and Miller were trying to do. So this shift in tone didn't really be, apparently become apparent until most of the way through shooting principal, principal photography. So when Lucasfilm noticed uh, sort of what direction the movie was taking, the rumors are saying that Lord and Miller 
sort of had a warning, I guess, to try to change what they were trying to do and conform to what Lucasfilm wanted. Lord and Miller kind of said, fuck you, we're going to make the movie we want to work work on. They stuck to their vision, Lucasfilm struck back and kept to their word, and they let Lord and Miller go. They fired them. And then within a matter of days, Lucasfilm announced that Ron Howard would be taking over the picture, so Ron Howard is currently directing uh, reshoots, I believe, for the Han Solo movie. And I guess a lot of people saw the Ron Howard choice as the quote-unquote safe choice to come in and sort of save and mold the picture. Um, and then right around the time that Lord Miller were let go from the Han Solo movie, Trevorrow's latest movie, The Book of Henry, was released, and it was not received very well at all. It bombed at the box office, was critically panned by most reviewers, and I guess while the movie was really being trashed, rumors began swirling that Trevorrow may not be involved with Episode Nine anymore. I don't know if it seemed like it was the bad press just seeping into his next project. They were looking for somewhere to direct things. Suddenly, it seemed like the internet wanted his head on a stick for making one bad movie. As the months went on, Trevorrow continued to talk about Episode Nine enthusiastically and continued to talk about it. His frequent collaborator, again, that worked on him on some of his earlier movies, Derek Connolly, uh, had written a script with Trevorrow that they were both excited about. But this was all before Carrie Fisher passed away. So after her death, the script apparently needed some major rewrites because Leia was supposed to have a massive part in the final trilogy, or final movie in this trilogy. So Trevorrow and Connolly got back to work. Now, depending on what you read... There are articles out there that say the script they work on isn't great, and that Lucasfilm wasn't pleased with it. Uh, cut to the 1st of August of this year, and there's an announcement that Jack Thorne is brought in to polish up the script for Episode 9. And then, a month later, which is what happened two days ago, Trevor was let go from the project. So... Again, I tried to summarize sort of what has been happening at Lucasfilm, because this may not be... This is definitely not the first time something like this has happened. So my first question for you guys, is there a pattern here that we should be worried about for these Star Wars movies? You, you think we should be worried because Disney doesn't agree with the directors they get? Because I'm not surprised. Disney made a mistake getting Lord and Miller because they clearly knew they were going to follow the Disney vision. They should have picked someone nice and easy to control from the beginning. I think Trevorrow was what I don't understand because I don't think they got rid of him because the Book of Henry bombed. Like, right, it, I think that's a misconception too, yeah. The timing, I, I guess, kind of works, but it's a $10 million film. Like, It's not like he bombed on Jurassic World 2 or something. He bombed on a really small budget indie film. That still is like audience has kind of liked it still like, so I think I don't think Disney made a wrong choice. I just I think something happened behind the scenes that we just will never find out about why they got rid of him. I think maybe another vision thing where they thought they could control him or something, but he's just throughout. I was like, I made Jurassic World. I do what I fucking want. <laughs> you think he would have came in demanding what this movie would be, and Lucasfilm was like, No, we don't want to do it that way. Not so much demanding, but I think he wanted more control than they were willing to give him. And I think okay. that's going to happen with a lot of, like, good directors, honestly. A lot of people I'd like to see make movies in general, I think, aren't good fits for what Lucas and Disney want. Lucas Films and Disney want from their Star Wars franchise at this point. Right. Uh, Andy, what do you think? Um, 
it's uh it occurs to me that they probably got rid of him because of uh the buddy that wrote the script so you're, you're just thinking um, baseline the script is not good um well you said that they thought it wasn't real good. That was one of the then, I, I guess one of the rumors that I read. I don't again, it's the stuff you read on the yeah. internet. So I, I don't know how much you can put um, behind it. And then maybe it was a, it was a very heavy Leia script. And then when they tried to formulate a script around not having Carrie Fisher available, uh, Disney was just like, we just don't even like this at all. Rather than like be mostly <laughs> through principal photography or videography, uh, like Han Solo. In uh, Rogue One, maybe uh, they're trying to pull the bandages off faster before they have like PR nightmares on their hands. Yeah, I mean, if they're gonna cut them loose, this is definitely the time to do it before they get into production. Right. Like, they're still, I, as far as I know, I think they were trying to. They want to get this starting to shoot principal photography uh, early next year, maybe January, February. Yeah. Uh, so they is it January? Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, they still have what, three, three months, four months to mm-hmm. try to salvage the, the ship here. But this is the other thing. If the script is bad and all right. So sort of jumping off the thought that Andy had that they had a script that was Leia heavy, Carrie Fisher passes. So they have to rework the script and write her out somehow. And maybe Trevorrow and Connolly just couldn't get around the script without Leia and figure out how to make that work. They were trying to bring people in to look at a script. It still wasn't working, so they just scrapped it all. So this other guy that they brought in, Jack Thorne, I don't know. This is what is, is I guess, concerning to me. If they bring someone in to look over the script, are they going to try to use what Trevorrow and Connolly did and just sort of polish it up and make it work? Or are they scrapping that completely and starting completely over? Because if... They, if Trevorrow has been involved for this movie for two years, I'm sure pre-production has already been started based on his script. If they scrap that and have to write a new, brand new story in three months and try to get pre-production stuff done before January, there is no way in hell that's going to happen. I think if it's a writing thing, it also brings up how it's not the book of Henry. Since he didn't write the book of Henry, he was merely a director on that. Also true. Though the thing with maybe it having weak writing is... That Connolly and him, uh, Connolly and him, or just Connolly wrote the the Kong movie, which was terrible, from yeah. a purely writing standpoint. <laughs> and it's not like Jurassic World was like this fantastic, magical, well written adventure. It was fine in a great blockbuster of like a. Is the first Jurassic Park movie in so long? It was always going to do well. True. So I think if this is all about writing. It's not the most recent failure, but something else. And I think they could, if they wanted to, throw out this whole script and start over. But I think at some like basic level, they're still following Lucas's original vision for Star Wars. Like, there's like, what he wants to happen in this episode is probably still going to come through. Okay. And I think this also has the May release date, so they could easily bump this back to a Christmas release again to do a full rewrite and start production later. Right. And still hit. And because it does, it honestly is, does not matter when this film comes out. No, yeah, I agree. It's going to set a record regardless of what <laughs> day it comes out. Yeah, because I do think the smarter play here is to give yourself time to get this movie, you know, write the ship, take your time to get the script right before you try to do any type of shooting. Because it, the last thing 
anyone wants to do, fans or otherwise. They Nobody wants to see you rush a Star Wars movie. There is no reason to rush a Star Wars movie to hit a release date. As like Just like Ian said, the anyone will go see a Star Wars movie when, whenever it comes out. You could you know, release it in the middle of February, which is typically like a dead month for movies, and people will come out to see Star Wars. So I'd see it six yeah. times. So it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't have to hit Christmas, it doesn't have to hit May. Release it when it's ready. Just take your time. As I I'm pleading for them, but god damn it if somebody listens to this. Just take your done goddamn time and get this movie right. I really wish that they hadn't of planned all those movies like right in a row like force awaken hits and then they're like oh we're gonna do this we're gonna do that we're gonna do this we're gonna do that and then they lined up for directors and stuff and i I just really wish that they would slow it down a bit and um kind of like focus on one movie instead of like yeah they always have the next one or two in production as the for as the earlier one is wrapping up that's just the because they want to get them out every year so that's the that's the schedule they have to go for I mean, it's been the problem with modern movie industry since Iron Man is the franchise, not just the franchise, because we've had that with horror movies for a long time. Franchises are a new thing, but hitting a release date every year in Marvel fucking three times a year yeah. really started with Iron Man, and Disney is a pioneer of that. It, it's where we're at now as an industry, and I think it, it can hurt a lot of these franchises where you they're not like like this isn't Marvel. Star Wars is probably never gonna have two, three films a year. I I fucking hope not. Yeah, I, as much as I like Star Wars, I don't want two or three There's Star Wars a year. Point where you ruin the magic. Yeah, <laughs> and I I think they but they need it every year because they need that share call, that earnings call to be high, and they need a Star Wars to hit that number. Right. So we're always gonna have a Star Wars. It's just is it gonna come out May for nine or December for nine? You know. Yeah. There's no way it's missing that year. Regardless of how rushed they have to do it, yeah, I think I know Josh and I have talked. I don't remember if we talked on air or off air, but or maybe even through Facebook or something. But I, Josh is very adamant too that these movies should just keep releasing in December. There's no reason why they need to shift to May, because especially the release date for Han Solo and the release date for Episode Nine, what they have scheduled is like three weeks after Avengers movies for each one. Avengers is the beginning of May. And Han Solo is end of May. Avengers 4 is beginning of May. Episode 9 is end of May. Like, why would you put those two big movies three weeks apart in the same month? It doesn't make sense to me. But that's that's Disney's problem. They have too many, like, franchises coming out. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But, I, you know, ideally those are at least, maybe I'm just looking at it from my perspective and, and since I like Marvel and Star Wars the most, to me, those are their biggest money makers, and to put them three weeks apart, if you do one in May and one in December, that makes sense to me. Even if Disney has other tent poles in those months that they have to sort of work around, I feel like Marvel and Star Wars are the two biggest draws for them. So it just, I don't know, to me it makes more sense to spread them out. And if you need a reason for them to spread out and put one in December, having a director switch three months before principal photography starts, that is a good enough excuse for me. But, I don't know. Um, as far as, like, the filmmakers they're choosing for these projects, do you think... I, I Sort of, I guess what they're trying to do is bring in different creative people for each of these movies. Like, even the episode movies, they were trying to get a different director for all three episodes for this new trilogy. Um, you think it's, it's better for them to try to stick with these, like, 
grabbing these creative type filmmakers or just try to get like, I don't know, like a safe bet, like a Ron Howard that's sort of just going to conform to their style and make the movies that way. So hopefully there's less blowback when people try to get creative. I think it's probably better for them to just go with the safe bet because they've tried this whole creative thing now and how many people have they lost. If you count Rogue One, what's that, three? Let's not forget, too, Josh Trank was hired to do a standalone movie, too, right around the time Fantastic Four blew up. That's right. So four. Four directors that were, like, creative, like... The only thing with Josh Trank... Because the only reason I didn't bring it up in my little summary spiel thing is because the Josh Trank thing felt more like Josh Trank's fault and not like a Lucasfilm problem. Right. Because any any rumors you read about his, his... stuff behind the scenes of Fantastic Four it just sounds like he had a meltdown and just like lost his mind so that's out of Lucas Lucasfilm's control they couldn't you know predict that he was going to just be a train wreck and have to get rid of him but like Lord Miller and Gareth Edwards and now Trevorrow it's like these people are coming in I don't know if like if it's so, something that sort of like happened with Han Solo where these people are hired with a certain vision and Lucasfilm was like, yeah, okay, we like that vision. And then when they finally start to get moving on their vision, Lucasfilm maybe starts giving them notes that don't really gel with their vision. And then, because each of these separations has been what they're calling creative differences. Like Lord and Miller, even though they were rumored to be fired, or probably were fired, the press release, again, says creative differences. Same with Trevorrow. The statement from Lucasfilm said creative differences. So... If it just comes down to creative differences, I don't know what they're looking for creatively that people keep having differences with. <laughs> I mean, the Star Wars franchise is done in a very particular way, so when people try to creatively do the Star Wars universe, I'm thinking it's probably Disney and what's her name? Kathleen yeah. Kennedy? That, that are kind of like, this doesn't fit our universe well at the same time like part of me is thinking like i understand that sort of argument for the episode movies like seven eight nine i think i think those have to stay in tone with each other i don't think they can depart too differently creatively from each other the standalones are where i thought we could expect stuff like that like i would have loved to have seen gareth edwards dark and gritty star wars war movie which i mean we still got that kind of tone but if you again, if you believe the stuff that you read online about what happened behind the scenes, it seems like that was toned down. Like it could have been a lot more grittier and boots on the ground soldier type stuff for that movie, but they they shaped it up to feel more classic Star Wars in tone and hope and rebellion and all that stuff. So I don't, I don't know. I, I these standalone movies I feel like should be the ones where people get a creative outlet to play in Star Wars, but if they're not giving these people the chance to do that. I feel like, sort of like what Ian was saying, I think that's where Star Wars is going to get stale. If we just keep seeing every movie every year have the same type of tone and feel the same, I I don't know if I want that. It's, it's kind of like they were trying to be uh, on the edge, you know, like being edgy with like the tone and the, the directors and stuff, and then they, they noticed that they were looking down at a very long drop if it failed right. and started to squeak back from the edge. and starting to go with a little bit more of a uh, static director choice. Yeah, I don't know what like I don't I don't know what would be considered a failure for a Star Wars movie. 
Because I feel like, regardless of what the movie is, and when it's released, it's going to make money. But is like $500 million considered a loss for a Star Wars movie? Less than a billion is a loss. You think? I, uh, yeah. Rogue One hit a billion, so I think that's their mark. If you make less than that, we failed. Because I feel like the budgets are probably 200, 250 million for these movies. Marketing. For Rogue One. Did you actually look that up, or are you just pulling a number I, out of your no, ass? No, I, I already have it up because okay. I wanted to talk about something. <laughs> but yeah, at 265, and usually for marketing, what people usually say is about double that for marketing. And we're talking about Star Wars, so I, that's easily believable, if not more, for the marketing on that film. So you're thinking an additional, what, 500 million on top so, of the 250? I think, let's say it's 250. I bet more with marketing, we're looking at 550 easily is how much okay. this film costs. Okay. Yeah, so, so yeah, to Ian's point, then yeah, if they hit 500 million, that's probably considered a loss for a, a Star Wars movie. Well, think about just the press they would get or how shareholders would feel if after, remember, Rogue One, the first non-trilogy Star Wars, unless you include the fucking Clone Wars shit. <laughs> That hit a billion, so if you can't hit a billion with, like, a Han Solo film, a super popular character, that's a failure. You can't hit, episode 8 can't hit a billion, that's a failure. Like, they set, that's the mark now. Yeah, I don't know, part of me, I feel like, because I feel like they know that these standalones have to be some sort of a risk. So, you make your bank on the episodes, which Mm -hmm. will probably be above and beyond income-wise and revenue-wise for them. And then just sort of take a little bit of a hit on the standalones that are trying to be creative and and try something different. Because as much as Han Solo is a beloved character, no one, as far as I know, was asking for a Han Solo standalone movie. So I still don't think this is a solid bet for them as far as how much this movie is going to make. I mean, that's the thing, like, I I, I don't know how much risk they want to take because part of the reasons, like, Edwards wasn't there for reshoots for Rogue One is some executives were saying they kind of maybe wanted a happier ending, keep some characters around. Yeah. And that was part of the reshoots. They actually filmed an ending where, um, I think, forget who, but a couple characters survived that. So yeah. they could go on and be in other movies, like probably the Han Solo film or something. <laughs> was the Han, the sequel to the Han Solo film that takes place between episode three, four and Rogue One. You know, that little small frame of time before, the, before that starts. Like, literally right before he shows up on Tatooine. I was going to say, you just see him walk into the bar and then that's the end of the movie. And you see them, like, there. Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, we're Star Wars too. <laughs> the Force is one with us, brother. And I think that's the thing. They bring in these creative types because I, I think they, at some point, you, you want to make, I think, even executive producers, even though they really probably just care about the money, I think at some basic level they still want to make a really great film a real driven film so they bring in these kind of directors that can do that but then there's the pressure from the student the, the the actual studio heads that aren't as involved right. with the process that you know the earnings call coming up and you realize we got to kind of stick to the formula and you start giving your notes and the creative types like you brought me on to bring my vision i get notes but you're basically saying why you brought me on, you're changing it now. I think that's been the big disconnect here. Okay. That's why a Ron Howard works. Like, he doesn't... He's at the point of his career where he doesn't need to take chances. <laughs> True. He'll come in and he'll, he'll finish Star Wars. He'll do what you want him to do. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. I think that's why it hasn't worked with other people. That's why 
if we talk about who we want to direct episode nine, I'm like, none of these guys have a chance because they're really creative, good directors, and they're never going to let them attempt it. So you don't think you think this will be a, a change in status quo for Lucasfilm? They're not going to look for these up and coming creative directors anymore. They're going to pick safer choices I from here on out. Wouldn't be surprised if they still do and hope either they can control them or we'll just get a repeat of this where they fire them after creative differences because they just were like, didn't learn their lesson, you know? Yeah. I yeah, I'm hoping go... this is the end of a trend for them. Like, I don't want to hear about this anymore because really this is the last Star Wars movie they have announced. Like, they haven't announced anything else after this. We don't, mm. we don't know what's coming after episode nine. But we do know there's going to be one the very next year. Yeah, they're, they're still probably going to try to do something, but we just haven't heard about it yet. So whether they hired a director already and just haven't announced it, I mean, I guess that would be the safer bet for them. Like, sort of bring someone in to work on a movie. Don't tell anyone they're in to work on a movie. So if you let them go, you don't have a PR fire when you let them go over creative differences again. I think it's too hard to keep that kind of stuff secret nowadays. Oh, I'm sure it is, yeah. I but... doubt you could bring someone in to start writing as your director of Star Wars film and keep it secret for even, like, a week. Yeah. In today's news cycle with the internet and everything, yeah, I believe that. But still, I'm just saying it'd be nice if they could do that. Keep us somewhat surprised. I mean, god damn it. Like, the only way would be if they, like, got Lucas to write the film. Because <laughs> just, he's just, like, sitting at the ranch like, yeah, I'll knock one out. Well, here's... Okay, so here's a question. If this movie is looking for a director, would you like to see George Lucas come back and direct this oh, episode God. nine? No, no. <laughs> good God, no. no. He hasn't directed like a good Star Wars film since the first one. The best also, film in the the best film in the series wasn't even directed by him, right? But the ideally, second he best film in the series wasn't directed by him. <laughs> ideally, he wouldn't write this movie, which I think takes some pressure off him because we wouldn't be working off one of his god awful dialogue scripts for this movie. Well, who's going to fucking write it at that point? Well, who's I mean, he going to deem worthy of, letting, of, de of deciding how he directs, essentially? I, Spielberg? Yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> oddly enough, I've seen people suggest, like, oh, Spielberg's going to possibly come in and direct episode 9. I'm like, thinking, there's no way. If they want to get this production underway by January, he's still doing Ready Player One. There's no way he's going to come in and direct episode 9. Yeah, no. That's that's wishful thinking. Um, all right, so director's chair is vacant. Do you guys have any ideas who you'd want to see? Any suggestions for directors besides Zack Snyder, Ian? <laughs> that would have been such a great film. Imagine BVS, but it's lightsabers instead of kryptonite spears. Does it still end the same way with Martha? I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, it ends with... Um, uh, Snoke saying, Padme! <laughs> <laughs> you also have a mother? <laughs> like, I think that's how it ends. I, I can see that. I'm not <laughs> saying it's going to be good, but I can see that. Uh, do you have any real suggestions? Okay. My first suggestion is um, a guy you guys may not know. He is mostly an anime director. Nope, don't know. But his most recent directorial was a live action movie called Shin Godzilla, which I believe I've talked about on the show before. It's a, I've heard it's amazing. I've yet it's the it. most recent live action Godzilla and the first Japanese release in like a while. Brilliant. Like great. Like they, they went all um practical for the Godzilla. It looks like crazy, weird, disgusting. Like 
it, the Godzilla makes you uncomfortable from the beginning. Like, it doesn't start off as like a 10, 5 million skyscraper feet high Godzilla. It starts off as like a little fucking turtle-like looking monster, but like disgusting scales and shit. And over the course of the film, it grows, right? But the whole time, you never root for Godzilla because he looks so fucking disturbing to you. You know what I mean? They pitched the film the right way. Like, unlike King Kong, where you're supposed to root for the fucking monster, they made a fucking monster movie where maybe you're not necessarily rooting against Godzilla, but you're afraid of him. He's not something you want to, like, survive, you know? He's a very good director at taking the making things uncomfortable and having a select uh, psychological kind of deal. I think with how episode eight, I think is setting up with this last Jedi thing and maybe a Luke Kylo backstory stuff. And then eventually them kind of almost facing off in nine. I think he could take that paranoia work really well, like making you understand like Luke's, I'm assuming Luke's going to be in pain from his failing because it's kind of his fault. Han's dead for being honest. <laughs> it's basically his fault. Han's dead. <laughs> And it's probably going to be his fault his sister's dead. Honestly. And if Ray's related to him, he also abandoned his kid. And I, I think he can bring out that dark, that horror almost, in Luke, like in Mark Hamill. So you want episode 9 to have Luke be insane? A dark edge, almost like depressed. Because this guy, Hideki Anno, he did his best work when he was in a deep depression. <laughs> Do you want, do you want, wait, let's be clear. Do you want Mark Hamill in depression or Luke Skywalker in depression? That's why I think Zack Snyder would be good because <laughs> with his daughter's death, I think he's really depressed. Oh, I come think on. he could really bring out some dark energy. I know it's a horrible <laughs> thing to say, but Too I think soon. he has that mindset where he could bring something sick and dark and twisted. And I think that'd be really cool for the franchise. Something that Star Wars I don't think will ever do, really. Something real dark, something scary. Considering what we just talked about, about them trying to stay in tone yeah. and keep a Star Wars style, there's no way in hell your director's making That's it in. Well, I mentioned probably like 15 minutes ago that I don't think any of my directors would ever do a Star Wars film. <laughs> because they're good directors that would do something different. Oh, throws down the gauntlet. I got one more guy. Okay. Alex Garland. He yeah, don't most recently directed Ex Machina, which was up for uh, Academy, okay. a couple Academy Awards. Okay. He's also the writer for 28 Days Later. Okay. The zombie fight. Yeah. And he was also the writer for 2012 Dread. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, And his... Oh, the one with Carl Urban. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, his directorial debut was Ex Machina, which he also wrote. He hasn't... He's working on a film right now. And Ex Machina was just a great... Almost suspense drama film. A lot of unique shots, especially because it's a movie about, like, an android. It's like... It's basically like Zuckerberg's like a Zen master and is working on super advanced robot AI and brings a random employee to his compound to come party with him and also to basically give a Turing test to his AI he's creating. Okay. I'm just trying to think how that applies to a Star Wars movie. It doesn't. I I just think this guy's a really good director and I'm giving (laughs) background on his most brilliant work. Like, I don't, like I said... There's no one I want to direct a Star Wars film that's gonna get the job because I want a really good out there director. Like I could go, I could say Nolan. There's no way Nolan's gonna be allowed <laughs> to do this because it's Nolan. He would want way too much control, and they'd have to give it to him. That's never gonna happen. You think like, they'd the give only one of the guy... standalones to one of your guys? 
No, oh, God, no, because they get fired within a week of filming starting. <laughs> like, the only guy, like, I think what's going to happen is they're just going to get Joss Whedon to do it, because that's, that's just what fucking happens nowadays. <laughs> you just get Joss to film your shit when something goes wrong. Which I'd be fine with. I'd love to see a Joss Whedon Star Wars movie. It's just watch any of the Avengers movie. It just add lightsabers to that, and it's the same. It's what it would be. Sold. I'm there. Let's do it. This... <laughs> That's that's why I don't, that's why I haven't seen anything past Avengers. They don't challenge you. They don't challenge anyone. So wait, you haven't you seriously haven't watched any Marvel movies since Avengers? Uh, it's Ant Man. That's the one you chose. Well, because it was it didn't it didn't tie into the rest of the universe, so I didn't need to like be caught up. Yeah, I guess that's true. It's like I almost went to see Doctor Strange for the same reason, but timing. Okay. Plus, I I thought, and, and I, there was um that point where what's his name was gonna direct it, Edgar Wright. Yeah, you know, Joe, just like another thing, like someone who would do something off the wall out there, and Disney gets rid of him. Like I know nothing good's ever gonna happen to me for a director I'd want to do to do a Disney film at this point. <laughs> so why yeah, why why bother saying someone? The track record's not not great. Like, Edgar Wright might be the most normal out of anyone I'd like to see do one. Like, the guy with enough mainstreamish success, but still wild and crazy. Yeah. And, you know, they're just never going to deliver on that. On someone that can do something unique in Star Wars. It's never going to happen. Yeah, I think if they were going to do it, they should have done it early. Because now if they're getting set to just recruit safe, you know, quote-unquote safe directors that want to conform to what they want to tell... Now it's going to be harder for them to go back and find creative people for the future movies because now they've set a precedent for what people expect out of these movies. So I think it's it's harder to go creative and different and weird after you've sort of hit the baseline, if that makes yeah, especially, sense. Especially when you have to hit a billion dollars every film. Well, that too. You can't take risk anymore. And that's why um, I can't wait for them to not do it. <laughs> uh, Andy, do you have any director uh, suggestions for episode nine? How about this? How about a uh, Star Wars deadpan comedy with Wes Anderson? For wait, we're, we're looking for a replacement for Episode <laughs> Nine. Oh right, right. Um, I think it would be cool if actually they gave Dave Filoni a chance. Yes, that was he's on my list. I think because Pittsburgh's own Dave Filoni, by the way. Oh, I didn't know he was yep. Pittsburgh. Yeah, he. Uh, for... um, I mean, he does a fantastic job with Rebels in the Clone Wars and. Um, or did with the Clone Wars and is with the Rebels, but uh, um, I think if they gave him a chance on a live action, he could probably uh, fit into their little jigsaw puzzle Star Wars fucking director thing and uh, still be able to knock it out of the park. Yeah, I think Dave. I don't, see, this is where I don't know if I think he'd be a fine line between being creative and being safe because he's part of the Lucasfilm family. Like you said, he's been involved with Clone Wars. He's like creative director on Rebels. Um, I think they pulled him off of Rebels to work on something else. So I don't know if, I'm assuming they're doing another animated series that he's probably involved with now. They just haven't announced it yet. Okay. He is supervising director. Okay. Um, but he was, a, he was a good creative voice for both animated shows, helped craft a lot of the stories and get a lot of the emotion. Like if you watch those stories, some of them are pretty deep and emotional. And Dave, I think, brings a lot of that out, especially out of the voice actors, which means he's an actor's director too which is something George Lucas is not. Now, no. back when 
Dave worked on the Clone Wars, he worked side by side with George because the Clone Wars was still kind of George's baby at the time. That was before he sold the rights to Disney. Um, so Dave got a lot of advice from George. So if you can't get George Lucas or don't trust George Lucas to take over the franchise, but still want a little bit of George's sensibilities, Dave would be the way to go. Which I, I think he works better than George because, again, I, he is downright an actor's director, so he can work with actors. I think he has enough creative vision to have a visual eye to what George would do, which is where George excels. But I think Dave would, would uh, make up for the shortcomings of George as a director between, again, just the actors and stuff like that. Yeah, George can't tell a good acting job to save his yeah. life. So, and I don't know if if Dave would have any input on the script, they might just have him work off somebody else's script, but I think he could do that. And again, since he's already sort of part of that Lucasfilm family and in the system, he knows everybody, so I feel like it would be an easy get to get him to do that. I just don't know if, like, I feel like he's been waiting for a big director's gig for something involving Star Wars, and to have it be this way, I don't know if, part of me thinks, I don't know if he'd take it. Just because it's like... Because he's, he's the second yeah. choice. Well, that and like, you know, it's three months before production and now he has to scramble to get this movie ready. Like, I feel like he he would rather have the time... And maybe if he agrees to do it, maybe part of the deal is they delay the release date to give him time to get his feet under him and get the movie where he wants it to be to get it to work. I feel like the next director would almost have to have that in, in their contract when they sign on to do it you know like okay we're pushing this back do you need some time to, to ground myself a little bit and what, what's going yeah on? i guess it might depend on the director like if they get someone like dave who hasn't done a directing hasn't directed a movie before they might yeah. be able to push him around and say this is going to be the release date whether you like it or not he but if they get a movie did he yeah the clone wars movie and that we all know how good that was is he listed as director on that he, he directed it He's, he is the director of it okay Alright, so that movie aside, that, we all know the first season of The Clone Wars, especially that movie, is not the greatest thing ever. That show well, hit I its mean, stride later in, in the later seasons. But, see, now you gotta be backpedaling now, because now I'm like, God damn it. But, still, I, again, Dave is, for the most part, inexperienced as a director, so if they come in and say, this is the release date, you have to hit this, he might not have a choice. But if they get someone more prolific, like a Ron Howard or someone with some weight to throw around, they might be able to, to, to demand a delayed release date or a pushback for them to be able to do the movie better, get it get it working. I think someone like Ron Howard weren't they, could uh, jump in, though. Weren't they throwing around Zemeckis when Lord Miller? Um, I don't think for Star Wars. Zemeckis has been tied to the Flash movie, I know, but I don't remember seeing his name oh, okay. pop Maybe up for Star Wars. Star Wars. Um, the only other name that I had seen... Well, I, I'd seen two names, but out of the two, uh, I, a lot of the headlines that I was reading was saying that the front writers, front runners for the job, possibly who Lucasfilm and Disney might be the easiest, easiest to get that they feel comfortable working with are JJ and Ryan Johnson. So JJ did episode seven, Ryan Johnson's doing episode eight. I feel like Ryan Johnson would probably be the easier get and he would probably be my pick to do it just because from what everything I've he I'm hearing out of episode eight, even though we have no idea really how the story is going to go, anything about that movie, they've been keeping it fairly under wraps. So I don't know if it's a good thing, but 
I have confidence in Ryan Johnson and the fact that he has successfully there. I mean, they're in po post-production now for episode eight. Um, so the fact that we haven't heard any behind the scenes drama and that everyone seems like they had a great time working on this movie makes it seem like he would be fine moving on to nine. And maybe he would be, maybe he's looking forward to, or would like to finish the story that he set up in eight and sort of cap it off with these characters again in nine. Maybe he has an idea where these characters could go, which would help shape a story that they need to get done in three months. I guess it just depends if he needs a break after eight or if he just wants to jump right into nine once he's done with eight, because you figure the movie comes out in December, he's going to be doing promotions and interviews and stuff for eight in December. If they want to shoot in January, I don't, I don't know how much time he needs to help prep for that. So we'll have to wait and see. How soon do you think they'll announce a director replacement? Because Lord and Miller was like two days which our, our two-day time limit is up. That is today. So I don't know. They're obviously not that quick, but do you think it'll be a couple weeks? Do you think well, it'll be a couple months? They, they don't uh, They don't need to do it right away. The Han Solo one was pretty um, uh, emergency. That's true. Yeah, they are three weeks from finishing <laughs> so, principal photography for that movie. Right. Um, I, I would guess a couple months. So you think we'll hear in uh, November, October? I'm assuming it'll happen right around the time that uh, 8 comes out. Oh, December. You're going as late as, as December. Mm -hmm. Okay. Ian, any, any guesses to time frame? I don't think it'll get announced until they start filming. Oh, you're thinking all the way to January? Well, or later. See, I feel, like, I feel like they'd want to get ahead of this, because I don't think you want this to be buried or lost in the shuffle or overshadow in any way the last jedi promotion which would be in december i don't think it would though in any way i don't think that many people care about who's directing nine i don't I, think disney with their marketing budget could easily control what the conversation is about leading up to eight i just feel like you're gonna have a lot of sites reporting that kind of thing and if once they start talking about a director replacement a lot of the articles will link to problems at Lucasfilm, and you're going to start going down that rapid hole. And I don't know if that's a PR push that Lucasfilm wants around the time of their release of their movie. If they don't make another announcement about the director between now and January, there's nothing to talk about. Nothing new would have happened with this story. Uh, maybe. Depending on what happens with the script. Like, if they, if they start talking about a script or script problems regardless of who comes in to write it, or if they keep announcing new writers every couple months. I mean, they could even stop doing this, just not talk about it. Yeah, well, like you said, I don't know if they have a choice. I don't know if that's something they can hide and secretly bring in people to work on this stuff without it getting headlines. writers is a lot easier because it's like one or two guys just banging something out. Maybe. I don't know. I still two dudes the, going at it. For the clickbait headline, well, well, well. <laughs> For the clickbait type of headline culture that we're in, as soon as you put The Last Jedi or Episode Nine in a, in a headline for something, people are going to want to read that article. Regardless of whether or not they're a writer or special effects hand or grip or whatever. You know, anybody that's working on those movies, I feel like, would make headlines for that. Yeah, but I mean, none of them are going to be involved with the writing process for the most. Like, if we're talking about a handful of people that would really be involved in that process... 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess it remains to be seen. I actually think, I think they'll tell within the next month or two. I think no later than November we'll hear something. Uh, whether or not I'm right, we'll we'll find out. We'll revisit this. We'll see who's right later on. <laughs> we have an emergency podcast as soon as they announce it. You're gonna Skype me at work. I could. I could. I could FaceTime you on my phone. Like, okay, guys, I gotta stop working to talk about the <laughs> dick sucking on the Star Wars. <laughs> there was no dick sucking up until this point. We we almost got through this entire topic without you mentioning dick sucking. I know. Uh, moving on. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's the best segue I think I might have. Threw it away. <laughs> um, any final thoughts besides dick sucking for? <laughs> No, don't. Uh, Anything else for this one or no? Nope. Okay. All right, we'll come back to that if we ever get an update at some point and talk about, once they pick a director, I'm sure we'll talk about what we think of that pick for a director. So we'll see see what happens. Safe, Um, boring, and uninspiring. Did you say boring and uninspired? Is that what you said? And safe. Okay. I'm just telling you now what I'm going to say. It could be. I'm going to text myself this so I don't forget to say it when you have me on for it. Um, all right, so we'll move on to some DC stuff. Um, Warner Brothers and DC, I think, have had a few of their own, like, what-the-fuck headlines over the past couple weeks. Um, that I feel like proves, once again, that they have no idea what their plan is for their own movies, and they just seem to be making this up as they go. Um, so, again, trying to set the stage sort of for this one. On past episodes, we've talked about how Marvel doesn't have full control over Spider-Man, the movie rights to that character, which Sony still controls. These two rival studios have made a deal to share the character, which is how we're able to get Spider-Man in the MCU. But since Sony still retains the rights to the character, they can basically do whatever the hell they want to in that universe in Spider-Man, which is why Sony is creating their own Spider-Man spin-off universe. And I only bring this up to make a point because these are two rival studios that have two different plans and directions for the Spider-Man movie universe. Now, DC is owned by Warner Brothers, which, between those two studios, they own all the rights to their characters, which means they don't have to fight with rival studios about doing spin-offs, different universes, and, you know, whatever the direction they want to take, when these two stu- like, when two competing studios own this intellectual property, they're not fighting over each other. This is all under one roof, which I think makes this even more confusing in that Warner Brothers and DC are looking to make a movie based around the Joker and making it an origin story. The kicker for this movie is that it will not, I repeat, will not be connected to the DC movie universe, meaning this will not be Jared Leto's Joker. They will recast the Joker again, while Jared Leto's Joker continues to show up in the DCEU, DCEU movies, such as Suicide Squad 2, the Joker, Harley Quinn movie, and if they decide to throw him in the Batman, he'll show up there too. And apparently, from one of the articles I read, DC is aware that there could be some sort of audience confusion over these non-connected DC Universe movies. So they plan to launch a new label and brand that will put all of these movies under this new label, with the Joker origin movie being the first one. Now, they do have some people listed that are supposed to be involved with this Joker origin movie, but before we get into who's involved, this idea of a Joker universe or sorry, Joker origin story movie. It does not connect to the DC movie universe. Is that a good idea or a bad idea? How do you guys feel about that? I love this idea. This is the greatest thing <laughs> DC's ever done. 
Now, purely from how big of a train wreck this could end up being, <laughs> like, if you're that, like, Schadenfreude, like, oh my god. The thing about the Joker as a character is he doesn't really have a defined backstory. It's always changing to fit the needs of the current author and the current Joker. His character design changes wildly at times. Even yeah. in the comic books, it's not very consistent. The animated Joker wildly changes at times. Jack Nicholson, Jared Leto, and Heath Ledger look nothing alike. <laughs> like those are all three distinct characters sharing some very basic elements. So I think you can do a Joker story with a different Joker unrelated to DCU and it works because it fits the archetype almost of the character that you can't define him. He's just exists. He's almost more of an idea than a person. And I think it works with that character specifically. Which, okay, you've, you've sort of sold me on the Joker being able to exist outside of the DCEU. However, if this is going to be the first in a line of spinoff movies that are not connected to DC Universe, how long before people just get confused about what's connected and what's not? But what, because as an audience, these people are now trained that all these comic book movies connect. So as soon as you're like, this one isn't, isn't connected, but this one takes place next in this five-part story... It, like, how many people are going to watch the Joker origin movie and be like, well, where the hell's Ben Affleck's Batman or Superman or something? I mean, there's probably people, the same people that complained about them not being in Suicide Squad, and then no one gave a fuck about those people. <laughs> and we all moved on. So I, I think that's the thing, mm-hmm. though. If you if you make it work, I think the Joker is the, the reason to launch it is because he's the one that makes the most sense to launch this as an idea. If you make it work the first time, then you can just start doing it. And not have these connect in any way. And people will just see them because, like, fuck it. Like, do you really think at this point the Transformers has a cohesive storyline that audiences <laughs> know and, like, feel like they get what's going on with it? No! I do not believe for a second that anyone knows what's still happening in the Transformers universe. Maybe not the U.S., but those Chinese and Japanese people, they love those movies. They're, they are eating they those might- up. I'm sure they have a religion based around those movies. Honestly, does anyone really see the connecting things happening in the Fast franchise? Does people get how those stories interweave and magically connect? No! The Rock is just now part of the group somehow. No one knows why. No one remembers they were enemies. Like, I could go, like, that's how it is nowadays. Like, you say you have these franchises that connect, but outside of really Marvel and, like, Star Wars, the lines are very blurred of how these, like, work. No one, like, the stories don't add up. Like, does anyone can explain on this show how Terminator works? How that was written? How any of that shit connects together? No. That's why they're throwing it out and starting over again, and no one's going to care. I don't even See, think I don't know if this is... Speak. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to help my point or hurt my point, but I'm just thinking, too. It's not that... Well, yeah, maybe they might not care, but the other point of it is that Marvel and Disney with Star Wars and, and Marvel's movies and all that stuff, they all that connected universe stuff works, and everyone's trying to emulate that. The problem is no one has been able to get it right, and that could be why no one cares, is because these movies don't connect the way they should, or as fluently and cohesively as these Marvel and Star Wars movies do, because no one's been able to get that template right since the Avengers did it, and everyone tried to copy it. Yeah, that's probably true too, but I think I don't think audiences care that much. If you just tell them it's connected, they'll fucking slap it up still. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I think the other side of it, too, and I'm sort of just thinking about this now, is how we talked about the, the Lucasfilm and Star Wars movies, about them not being able to take risks. 
part of the reason that DC is trying to do this is because they want movies that stand alone, that are more of a creative outlet to attract creative directors and creative actors and, and higher profile people that don't want to be tied into a universe sharing comic book movie and yet maybe still want to play in that universe. This is their outlet for that, which in a sense could work. They could actually get some really cool movies like this, but for someone like me who likes continuity and like things connected, this gives me a headache. But uh, Andy, what do you think? Um, I think it's a grease fire. <laughs> You're just ready for the whole DC universe to go down in flames. Well, not that. I just this whole rebranding thing so that they can have like this other universe for their non DCEU stuff. Just, I I think it's gonna be a horrible decision. Okay, so let me let me throw out some names for you that are supposedly involved in this picture, and see if this changes anyone's opinion. Uh, according to Deadline, these are the people that are involved with the picture: Todd Phillips who directed the Hangover trilogy and wrote Hangover 2 and 3, will be writing the script along with Scott Silver. Scott Silver is probably most known for writing 8 Mile. They're looking at Todd Phillips to direct. Todd Phillips will also produce, along with Martin Scorsese. They're looking <laughs> to set the movie in Gotham City in the 80s and try to frame it as a grounded, hard-boiled crime film, which is why Scorsese is involved. So do any of these names influence your opinion at all to chain like you still feel the same way? Does this sound more appealing to you now? But this is this is who they're... Why is Scorsese involved? Yeah. I that like why would he sign up That's... for this? I don't I'm it's really The latest be... thing I read is that he is not officially signed on, but he's pretty close. Now, this it's sort of like a six degrees of separation thing because I think one of the main draws okay, so here's the thing. I don't know if they're trying to get Scorsese because they want to get an actor to play the Joker, or now that Scorsese is involved, they're like, oh, maybe we can get this guy through him. But there's been a name that's been tossed around that supposedly the studio is looking at to play the Joker. Now they want to use someone that's frequently collaborated with Scorsese. Does anybody know who they might be trying to get? Ron Howard. <laughs> no. Uh, Pacino? No. Younger. Al Pacino. No. <laughs> try, try again. Ah, uh, um, DiCaprio. Yes. Nailed it. So they're they they want to possibly if Scorsese signs on, possibly go through Scorsese to be like, hey, you you work with that DiCaprio kid a lot for your movie. See if you can get him to to come play in our sandbox. I, I doubt it'll work. I don't think they'll get him, but that's supposedly who they're looking at. I like that at 43, you were calling DiCaprio a kid. <laughs> he's, he's, he's still younger than some people out there. It would probably be the greatest Marvel, no, Mar Marvel, like <laughs> superhero movie of all time if they got Leonardo DiCaprio to play the Joker. That'd be, like, that'd be the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> Chew like he would eat. I get that it's tough, but <laughs> Ian doesn't even have words. This is unprecedented. The greatest actor to ever play the Joker. <laughs> that's honestly a tough thing to pitch when you have Nicholson. And if Ledger would still be alive, I think you could make an argument. So I, I think it's absurd how like 
I don't know if I want to say good casting because I've never thought of Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> as the Joker. But he has range. He's nailed every role he's ever been in. And if you just threw a pile of money at him and said, be the Joker, he'd not only do it, but probably be one of the best, the best Joker ever. And if Scorsese is involved and they want to try to keep it with a Scorsese type tone, that, that could be a big draw for him. He could, he's been in Scorsese movies like that before. So that could, that could work. I think it'll be less of a comic book movie and sort of what they're describing more of some sort of crime drama which I feel like would be more up... Like, you're not going to sell this movie to DiCaprio saying, hey, do you want to come play a comic book character? you got to sell this to him as some sort of serious movie where he plays almost like a gangster. And Todd Phillips directed a co-star of Leonardo DiCaprio, Jonah Hill, recently in the movie War Dogs. <laughs> that, that is true. Another little draw. <laughs> and he could play a good penguin. Jonah Hill is a penguin. Like, come on. <laughs> Um, I, I want this film now. <laughs> like, real bad. Andy, does this influence your decision at all? Are you still feeling the same way, or I, I honestly, I just couldn't see it happening. That's Even so hypothetically, <laughs> all this, all this pans out. DiCaprio comes in for Joker. Scorsese is involved to produce. Essentially, directed. If, Di- if DiCaprio is in a Scorsese Joker movie, I'll go. Okay. <laughs> like, how could you not? <laughs> right. Exactly. If I can't the even like, picture him just in the makeup them signing their contract. That would be enough. <laughs> well, if this is an origin story, like he might not even be oh, in the makeup true. very long or ever. You could get away with like, that. Right at the right at right at the end, maybe he falls into the vat of acid or whatever. But that's, even that's like, maybe they're just making like a gritty like crime drama and just pretending it's the Joker. <laughs> it's nothing to do with it. That's it. Maybe it's the flip side. Maybe they just have a good crime drama script floating around that they want something to do with it. And they're like, what sells comic book movies? Make it the Joker. Not connected to DCU. We need to make money because these other movies are shit. Maybe it's just get people talking about it. Like, just say we're doing a Joker film. But it's just a gritty crime drama. What's going to be funny is when the title is not anything the Joker and they're like, no, this is totally the Joker movie. Just go see it and find out. <laughs> like Gotham City would work for a gritty crime drama. Like, Yeah, it would. Just set it in Gotham and that's it. Like, <laughs> don't, like never acknowledge it's the Joker. Never set it up to become the Joker. There, There's your movie. It's not even called the Joker. It'll be like Gotham City Underground or something like that. Call it Sin City 3. Sold. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so I don't know. I think any of the questions that I had, I think we pretty much just covered in the course of our conversation. So I don't know if I have to, um, grab anything else. Cause I was thinking like the way Spider-Man spinoff movies and like, you know, they're confusing enough for Sony between the Sony stuff and the Marvel stuff. But we sort of already touched on if DC can make this work while they're simultaneously doing DCEU movies and then these spinoff standalone stuff that doesn't connect. So. I don't know. I originally I was thinking this could fail, and it, they might just crash and burn like the Sony spinoff Spider-Man stuff. Like I'm expecting that stuff to do, but I don't know. Ian, I think sold me a little bit on this. I'm I'm looking forward to it a little bit, but now if they if they still go this route, it would. I'm I'm actually I think thinking more interested in what they want to do after the Joker. Like, are they going to do like a different Batman origin story to make it like dark and gritty and some? I don't know how they do it more dark and gritty, but you know, take different spins on other popular characters to try to play with? I don't know. I think there's, I think audiences are, would be okay for this. I, th- I think there's a point where you're like, 
I gotta watch like 15 Marvel movies, four seasons of Shield, and then six different Netflix shows to like be in this universe. And I I think that's just too much. I think it'd be nice to have some points where you could just watch one movie. That's why I went and saw Ant Man. I could just watch Ant Man. Right. And that's the other thing. Yeah, maybe it's it's more of a draw for people that don't want to get sucked into 15 movies that they have to watch. They just want to do one at a time whenever they feel like it, and that, that could be the way to do it. Especially because Marvel's going to have a bomb at some point, and it, like, people might give up on it, and that just hurts. The, even if the rest are, like, pretty good, that just starts hurting you when you make everything connected. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, problem is, they've been making it work, so I don't know if... You know, we'll just have to wait and see if they, if and when they get a bomb and how that affects shared universe movies going forward. If it's, if it's just a speed bump or if it brings the whole thing down. But I think they've, Marvel at least has earned our, uh, confidence and respect at least. So even if they do have one or two duds, I feel like it's still worth checking out the rest of them because I don't think they're going to be all duds. Meanwhile, DC, you know, they're all hit or miss that most of them miss and I don't know. They've had enough duds now where if they keep giving duds, I'll be like, nope, this universe is dead to me. I, I don't think I can invest anymore. And that's why you make standalone ones. That, that could be, this could be their plan B. If the, if the inevitable DCEU comes crashing down, they have a backup plan. Um, Andy, you got any final thoughts for Joker standalone? No. Okay. All right, so we had to cut Andy loose, so it's down to just two. Ian and I. Are I didn't realize you were just gonna start going. I thought we were gonna have like a like a twenty second like gather <laughs> ourselves thing. I didn't really just like okay, yeah, cut Andy loose. Okay, guys, let's go. I had to pull the moon. <laughs> I've, I've already gathered one. myself. You better get to gather. Like, I'm not gonna mute this shit. I got like twenty seconds before <laughs> he like reintroduces ourselves. We're going full speed ahead. Okay, we, bing, we bang bang. We got shit to do. <laughs> um. Alright, so that wraps up the, the Joker talk that we had. So there's a couple other DC films that um, sort of tie into the Joker a little bit. Um, spinning over to Jared Leto's Joker, he will supposedly appear in Suicide Squad 2, and they also are trying to plan something with him and Harley Quinn, which we talked about, I think, on a previous episode. Um, so for t- Suicide Squad 2, David Ayer is not coming back. He's not writing, he's not directing. He is supposedly attached to Gotham City Sirens which was the movie involving, um, what, Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, and Catwoman, right? I believe so, yeah. That would make sense. Okay. These would be the sirens. All right. Yeah, so we talked about that, I think, previously also. Um, so Warner Brothers and DC announced, I think today, actually, that Gavin O'Connor is going to write the movie, write, write Suicide Squad 2, um, and they are also trying to get him to direct. He has most recently directed The Accountant, which starred Ben Affleck. And that was also through Warner Brothers, so they have sort of a rapport with him now. Um, and they seem to be trying to put Suicide Squad 2 on the fast track just to try to get it out there probably before everybody forgets about Harley Quinn. Um, so what do you think of O'Connor stepping in for Ayer? Not, I don't know if you know anything about O'Connor, but... Like, I, I at no point care that David Ayer is no longer involved. <laughs> like, um, Fury was good. Like, I liked Fury. I thought it was well-written. Yeah, like I, I don't have a real problem with Air, but Suicide Squad just there's nothing special happening there. Like Fury, great. Training Day, great. Original Fast and the Furious, great. SWAT, okay. 
like it's not like he's like a shitty like writer or director, you know. So I don't have like a real issue with that. Gavin O'Connor though, the accountant is a really great film. Like it's it's it, it's fucking good. Okay. Like I'm just gonna say it's fucking good. <laughs> now the issue I think more is that he's directing Suicide Squad too. Like what do you do at this point with it? Have them We're go on another mission where there's trash floating around in the sky and a beam of light going into the sky. Are we really gonna have to sit through someone saying, "What is this? Some kind of second Suicide Squad <laughs> mission?" Like, you know, like am I really gonna have to hear that line of dialogue come out from someone? I mean, if it's written well enough, you won't. But that remains to be seen. I guess that's the other thing. You you think he'd be involved in the writing? Because it says that's what they signed him on for. They signed him on and to he, write it, and he's possibly directing as well. I actually, I, I didn't know this. I've seen a, a movie Kevin O'Connor's written. It's called The Warrior. It's um about boxers and MMA guys. Okay. It's got Tom Hardy in it, playing one of these, like, boxing brothers. Oh, maybe I do remember that, vaguely. Yeah. There was another one that came out, like, at the exact same time that was very similar. So it was, wait, was The Warrior like, Another, good? like, MMA movie at the same time. This one had Nick Nolte in it, too. Oh, I don't know. I definitely don't know what that one is. This one though is about the two brothers fighting, and um, this actually they filmed part of it in Pittsburgh. That's why I know about it because I went with my friend because he was in it. Because <laughs> the one guy's a Marine, and he gets arrested by the Marines for being AWOL, so they needed Marines for it that actually had their like their Marine outfit uniforms. Yeah. So that's how he got casted as an extra in it because he had his fucking the uh, Marine blues. So that's why he's in it. Nice. The movie's not that good. <laughs> Poorly written, uninspired filming, not really cohesive. And early Tom Hardy too. Like before, you were like, "I'm gonna go see this for Tom Hardy." You're like, "Man, this nothing's gonna work out for the Tom Hardy kid after seeing this." So I, I don't think this is a good choice, director. Actually, the way you described that movie, now. it sounds like O'Connor would fit right at home for a Suicide Squad movie. Don't you think the accountant was really good? So I guess he's grown. But, like, the warrior was just shitty. <laughs> He's apparently grown as a director, as a creative. But that early stuff, like, he wasted a Tom Hardy. Right before Tom Hardy blew up. Okay. You know? Yeah. But part of that's probably writing, like, an MMA film. <laughs> like, I think that's hard to do. Yeah, hopefully between... Like, I mean, because there were some good characters in Suicide Squad. So hopefully if he has some good name, characters name to play three. with, it'll, it'll work. Name three. I mean, obviously Harley Quinn and Deadshot, and um, yeah, you don't even know their fucking names. At this I was point. thinking of names, but I was like, are they really that good? Like Ric Flair's not really good. Mm-hmm. Boomerang was really stupid, but I liked him being stupid. So Boomerang, Captain Boomerang, uh, mm-hmm. let's let's make some Jai Courtney happen. I'm let's, let's give him something to do this time. <laughs> what about Panda Man? Who's Panda Man? That was James McGowan in the original Suicide Squad. Yeah, well, he wasn't in the movie, right? No, he was. Yeah, then I totally forgot that. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the jumping guy that got blown up? Yeah, he's not even like a real character. (laughs) But he's like top ten credited on IMDb. Yeah, he he didn't even get shot. Did Did they even give his character a name or they just like show him jump somewhere and then he died? His name is as good as Captain Boomerang or the Joker. <laughs> okay, 
Okay, one of the top five of the credits apparently is T-shirt vendors, so I'm really wondering what's going on with Suicide Squad's <laughs> IMDb page. Wait, who's top five? T-shirt vendor. T-shirt. I, I want to say this guy's name, but I'm going to mess it up. Bombajan Bamba. Did they, did they credit in order of appearance or something? Maybe. Yeah, that's probably what happened. Here's a t-shirt vendor. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know too much about this guy's resume, uh, O'Connor's resume. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen any of his other movies, so I don't know how much he'll fit. Uh, if if they're if the studio, it, this all depends if it has the same type of behind the scenes stuff. Again, we keep, every, all every one of these things we're talking about now. That I'm thinking about it. It all has like studio meddling basically involved in it in some way because Suicide Squad was riddled with that kind of stuff. Ayer wanted to make one movie. Studio mm-hmm. said, "No, you're going to make this movie," and it was cut to shit. And then it became incomprehensive, and we couldn't figure out what the fuck the movie was trying to tell us. And still made a shit ton of money, but if you look back and watch it, the Suicide Squad one doesn't make sense. And there's a lot of really missed opportunities there with stuff. So I'm hoping. I want to say I was going to say if they give him time to make this movie, maybe it'll be made right. But if they're fast tracking it, he might not get that time. They just might want to get another one out while people are still sort of talking about Suicide Squad 1, good or bad. Are people talking about it? I mean, not that I know of, but it, uh, if people, I don't know, I feel like if you mention Suicide Squad, the people are just like, oh yeah, that movie with Will Smith and Margot Robbie, but that, that's about it. Okay. Unless they're just looking for an excuse to get Deadshot and Harley Quinn back in a movie together, since those were the standouts for this film. Just And this is the, the logical way to do it? I don't know. But, yeah, I'm anxious to see what this story is about. Because, like you said, if it's just like, hey, we're doing another mission, like, they need to give them a good comic book villain, I think, to go against. That, you don't that think the Enchantress was a, was a good you villain? You can't even finish that sentence. You you know exactly as well as I do that she was not the greatest for that movie. You don't think a romantic interest of Killer Croc is a good character? <laughs> what, are we going to get, like, female Killer Croc? No, I mean, I, 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 I assume she didn't turn into a crocodile in Falcom. I assume she was in her human form as they developed a romance. But that's what you're pitching me. Wait, who was her? No, I'm really confused. Enchantress was, she a, was a romantic interest of the Killer Croc. In the first Suicide Squad? No, well, in the comic books. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I don't remember that books. at all from the movie. <laughs> you, didn't, you, didn't, you didn't pick up on that? <laughs> I was like, did I just block that out? I would have. <laughs> that would been such a weird tone to take with that character, considering like how little time she had on screen. Right, that's why I was like, why was it just a speck in the movie that I just completely forgot about it, or was it a bigger thing that I just like, blocked shit, out? Did I, I need to read the novelization? <laughs> yeah, yeah, now I'm really confused. I don't, yeah, who knows where the fuck this movie's going to go, though? I have no idea. So we'll have to wait and see. Stuff you can do, but I guess it depends on how connected you want it with the rest of the universe. Yeah, because it wasn't like, all that connected to the DC EU before, other than mentioning mentioning that Superman's gone. Like I, I guess almost going back to what we were just talking about before Andy left with the standalones. I think DC, one of their best moves at this point, could be making a Teen Titans movie or universe, honestly, and just going with that. Like, because kids would enjoy that. I think seeing heroes their age. They are trying to do Teen Titans, but I I want to say it's they're trying to do a TV show, not a movie. No, well, they got. Technically, a cartoon. Not gonna go well, there. yeah, I think that they're trying to do something live action. I just don't know. I can't remember where it's going, whether it's TV or movie. 
I think it works better as movie just because of the budget necessary for all the non-Robin characters to like oh, yeah. function as characters. Yeah. Beast Boy on TV. I don't know how that's gonna work. They would look shitty, and like you would tune out. Like all of the characters are very much superheroes in the sense of powers. So I just don't, yeah, see it working on TV. Yeah. Um. All right. So that's the latest on Suicide Squad two. Uh, the other movie that will involve Jared Leto's Joker is the Joker and Harley Quinn movie that we talked about a few episodes ago. Uh, what's interesting about this movie is some of the reports I'm reading now are sort of conflicting at this point because now they're saying the Joker and Harley Quinn movie could actually replace Ayer's Gotham City Sirens. So they're saying Gotham City Sirens is canceled. Joker and Harley Quinn is going to fill the void of that movie. Now, I couldn't find an official one way or the other which one is correct, so we just sort of have to wait and see how this shakes out, I guess. Um, but sort of my question to you, then, if you had a choice between a Joker and Harley Quinn movie that's supposedly like this insane love story, quote-unquote, or a movie where Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, and Catwoman are the leads, which one would you rather see? It's funny, because if you go on IMDb for Gotham City Sirens... The only two cast members are Margot Robbie and Jared Leto. <laughs> so it's almost like we're getting the same movie regardless. <laughs> and I wouldn't be surprised if Gotham City Sirens is being reworked into Harley Quinn versus the Joker. Oh, that's true. Maybe it's not canceled. Maybe they just combine the two. Almost, yeah. Or just write out the other two people, like Catwoman and Poison Ivy, and focus it on them. So I think the modern Harley Quinn character is not only... is it it's Harley... I, I, Harley Quinn at this point has a very deep relationship with Poison Ivy. They're very close friends that that share a lot with each other, and Poison Ivy helps her get over the... At, at his core, I don't think there's ever been a Joker that's not very much a very abusive boyfriend or husband or any way romantic partner to Harley Quinn. Right. And the most recent, I think, last 10 years or so of the DC, general DC universe... Poison Ivy's been her go-to for that support, that comfort to really still go on as a person and dealing with the Joker's madness. Okay. They work really well together. They're, they work well together. Like as a just as a like a, as they look into maybe abusive relationships as a whole. Like it's really hard to always get out of them, and there's someone always lending, I think, a support to keep someone going. And I think that could be a risk DC might want to take to try and show that. Just to humanize these characters a little more. So have it be a Joker and Harley Quinn movie, but have Poison Ivy and possibly even Catwoman as just like side I characters that help Harley Quinn through the Joker abuse? I believe you have to have Poison Ivy in it regardless. Like I, I, She's such, at this point, an important part of who Harley Quinn is almost as a person uh-huh. that I think it's impossible to do a long-term Harley Quinn as a character in the DCEU expanded magical universe <laughs> without including Poison Ivy. I think Catwoman's expendable. You okay. can save her for Birds of Prey or something. Okay. Get it. Cats eat birds. Yeah. I, I gotta explain it for your audience so they might not <laughs> pick up on it. <laughs> Fucking dum-dums. Thank, and, thanks for that. They, they love it when people call them out and call them stupid. That's, that's awesome. I, I just realized, I feel like we've been filming for two hours, but it's only been an hour, so people are still listening at this point. <laughs> they haven't tuned out yet. <laughs> but I think I think at its heart, 
you you would need to introduce Poison Ivy at some point if Harley Quinn's a long-term character in the universe. Just because at a certain point, even though it happens all the time where people stay in abusive relationships, audiences are going to question it without her having something. Though I guess in Suicide Squad, it almost seems like she's already distant almost from the Joker. Like they're almost setting up her inevitable breakup with him. Right. Which is weird to do in your movie that introduces both characters. Yeah, except, like, I mean, at the end of the movie, she gets back with him. Like, he busts her out, so they're back together by the end of that movie. Yeah, but that's, that, that's I guess, how they always are, is on the brink of breaking up or killing each other. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, I think between the two, I'd rather see a Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, Catwoman. Like, Gotham City Sirens sounds more interesting to me than a Joker-Harley Quinn movie. How much of that is you just don't want to see Jared Leto's Joker? That is another part, is that I don't really know how I feel about his Joker, so the less I see of him at this point is the better for me. That's why, like, like, you asked me, yeah. I just can't tell if it's like I didn't get enough of him to get a feel for his take on the Joker in Suicide Squad. Like, maybe I need more of him in another movie to really get a grasp for it and see what he's doing, or... No, I'm good. No. (laughs) Let's recast it. So you didn't like his his Joker either? I did someone? I could have sworn did someone. Jared Leto even like it? Like, let's be <laughs> honest. I mean, he still wants to play the character, so he must have liked it. Like, I'm at this point hoping that it was like a fever dream and they're just going to make it a more traditional... Like, It's just a, such a terrible look for the character. Like, in the comic books, they've been setting up the Joker like a more lean. I think Jared Leto was very lean. Yeah. He's not a threat physically. He's a threat because of his mental illness. That's the only reason the Joker's really a threat to anyone. And I think the leanness brings it across a little more. You know physically you're not really in danger. Yeah. Like that's the difference between his Joker and Heath Ledger's is a big one. It's just how lean he is. I think the biggest issue everyone had, don't eat the tattoos. It's that fucking grill. <laughs> it pisses me the fuck off. Like, Grills went out of style, like, a decade ago. I don't know. Like, his Joker doesn't strike me as, like, being up on style. He's like, hanging he tries out to... with rappers in the club. Right. He's whipping people with, like, diamond-encrusted guns. Probably has a tiger in the back of that club he's at. <laughs> like, they it basically... screams 90s music video to me. Well, that, they tried to paint him more as, like, a gangster... Like, not just a gangster... But like a very hip hop like gangster almost. Like a very yeah, modern yeah. what we think of nowadays as a gangster, not more of a traditional mafia Batman gangster. Like as a clear departure from the types of gangsters you see in Gotham. Right. The T V show. We all watch probably. <laughs> I I haven't, but I've been told to at least watch the last two episodes of the last season, third season. I gave up like halfway through the second season. Yeah, I fell off at that first, so I skipped two full seasons so far. Uh, half of that was that I just lost Hulu, so I I just never cared enough to tune in every week. I never was going to tune in. I just don't anymore with TV. So yeah, I lost that really easy way to watch it, you know. <laughs> apparently they're at their point where they're actually trying to make kid Bruce Wayne Batman. He's like at this point he's just gonna be too old to not become Batman. Yeah. So which is again something that these showrunners had said they're never going to do. We're never going to show you Batman in our sh- in our show. It's all about him before Batman and Gotham City before that and all that crap. But yeah, still relying on 
Bruce Wayne becoming Batman already in your series that where you're not going to show Batman. So we'll see how that goes. Like, there's going to be a point where that kid's too old to never Batman. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. The show's not my favorite. I, I have, I'm <laughs> talk about how crappy it is all the time. But again, I haven't watched the last two seasons, so people have told, again, I've, I've heard from people to check out the last two episodes of season three because it gets better and sets the stage for season four, which apparently trailers for season four look good, but I told them I'd give those episodes a chance if they hit Netflix and just see what happens. And I doubt it'll hook me. I'm not expecting it to hook me, but I at least got to watch it and say I tried. Um, any other final thoughts for Joker? Any, any other Joker appearances or anything? Cause I, I think that's all I got for this one. I guess back onto like, I, I, I would like to see this Leo DiCaprio or just a standalone Joker. I think it can work just because their animated movies are all separate. Like not even all of like most of those don't connect to each other. Oh, see, like, I thought DC they were trying to build up that. their animated. But they are, but at the same time, they still do stuff like the Killing Joke, where they're not connected. Yeah, uh, right. Okay it, okay, it still occurs, is my point. Yeah, but I think their DC is a company's fine with it. I think their main like DC enthusiast audience is fine with it, and I don't think modern audiences care as much about cohesion as we like to think they do. I just think that the Marvel movies are directed enough that you're gonna see like they they're going through the fucking conveyor belt they're on the assembly line to get built and like they would hit even if they weren't connected i feel like you're talking about the marvel movies yeah okay you know yeah, i, I, I think they always set up to be these big summer blockbusters but i don't think they necessarily have to be connected to have done that well yeah well, I mean, now they they're at the point where they've established characters that people want to see, regardless of whether they're in something that's connected or not. Mm-hmm. So, and and I think their movies now are less reliant on being connected than they were in like Phase Two, or mm-hmm. especially Phase One. Um, so, I think I think they're getting to the point where they're just making good movies now. But the connections are there if you're looking for them. I guess I'll say that. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I'm I'm still on the fence with these like spinoff movies. Like part of me is like I really want everything to connect. I think I I like getting looking for those connections, whether or not they're readily apparent. But like on repeat viewings, you're picking up little things they hide in there, either lines of dialogue or something in the background that connects to a movie that comes before, or after, or connects to chain of events that like some sort of story arc that they're setting up, and you see the breadcrumbs in in previous movies or something. All that stuff interests me and i enjoy finding that stuff it gives me reason to repeat view some of these movies standalone ones you're just you're basically just relying to me on whether or not it's a good movie if the movie sucks there's no reason for me to go back and watch it whereas if it sucks and it's connected that might give me reason to go back and watch certain things i guess i have two points on that it's one I think there's so many Marvel movies that regardless if it's intended, there's going to be these little connections because there's just so much dialogue and stuff. Right. It, you'd be hard to like not have them connect with how many there are. Right. Almost. So I, 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 I would much rather see a very good standalone film than rewatch some real shitty one because, <laughs> hey man, did you see that? The shield was hidden underneath some rubble next to Spider-Man's fucking mask. You know? <laughs> See, I live for that shit, so... Thor casually mentioned having a friend. Which friend do you think it is? (laughs) We'll find out in two movies. I love it. Like, oh. 
Yeah, maybe. So maybe I'm not like. Maybe I shouldn't like take my my opinions as like the general movie going audience because maybe I'm in the minority here. I don't know. Like I think people like it's clear people like franchises, but I just don't know how much they really need to connect to make money. Which is true. Yeah, that's. I guess this could be the experiment to see whether it's just the the franchise and these characters that are selling, or if it's the fact that they're part of this universe that's selling. Because if DC moves forward with these standalones that aren't connected, and they make just as much money, if not more, than the DCEU movies that are all connected together, then yeah, you're to your point. It would mean no one gives a fuck. They just see what they want to see, and, and everybody's happy. At that point, it also might be a problem. Maybe these standalone films are just like actually really good. <laughs> and it's too- more, it says more about the quality of what DC's been putting out before this. Which again, yeah, if they if they can sell creative directors and writers on, hey, we just want you for one movie. We're not going to tie you up for ten years of your life trying to make a trilogy and connect all these movies together. You have creative freedom to take these characters in any direction you want because it's not going to matter in the greater story. You're just going to do a one off, and then we'll do another one somewhere five years down the line and see what somebody else does. You know that could be a good, a, very appealing to people, and you might actually get some quality stuff out of there. Which, which is what we wanted from the Star Wars standalone which, before they tried the franchise. All right, of them apparently. might be the difference between this and the Star Wars stand- standalones because the Star Wars standalones are still considered canon and have to fit into a specific time frame, and characters can't be here because maybe they're used somewhere there later on in the same window of time. Exactly why we need an older public's like spinoff, right? So yeah, something like that. Play get let these creators play in a time period where you're not beholden to these classic characters like Han Solo or or someone like that that needs to have certain things happen to him. Give us characters we've never met before, like your to your point, and been playing in, in an era where there's nothing documented. As of right now, we know nothing that is canon about the old republic. And mm-hmm. that's a time when Jedi and Sith are in their prime and there's Jedi and Sith everywhere. Everybody loves lightsabers. You could just mm-hmm. fucking have a movie all about that and that would be awesome. Yeah. That's like that's a, we're calling it all not canon now like all that old republic stuff. You just like I'm only saying old republic is like a basis point, but just somewhere so far off from the main current canon that they could literally, yeah, like you said, do whatever they wanted. It doesn't even have to be in any way connected to the old Republic. It can you could just set a Star Wars type thing somewhere so far away you can do what you want. I feel yeah, I feel like movies that have a Jedi army and a Sith army facing off against each other is a no brainer as far as making a movie that people will like. Oh yeah. People would eat that shit up. Yeah. And yet what do we hear about all these spin off movies? Yoda movie, Boba Fett movie, uh Kenobi movie. Like these are all characters that have an established set and set place and time where they need to be as far as the Star Wars timeline is concerned. Yoda only works because he's like 600, so you have like 400 years to play with. So there, maybe he is part of the Old Republic. They get him when he's 100 years old. Yeah, I'll honestly, with those other Jedi. He's the only character, I think, in canon where you could do a story disconnected from the general mega nine part... What's the <laughs> word for nine? I can't think of it. Instead of trilogy, like, I can't go higher than Decca. I feel like... <laughs> Whatever that nine top nine tall legend title. Sure, is. yeah, we'll we'll go with that. Whatever that is, <laughs> let us know in the comments. Josh. <laughs> Josh is the only one I know that proofreads this entire thing. Like he will be the one to correct us. So <laughs> I appreciate you looking out, Josh. <laughs> um, but yeah, and again, sort of to that point, like Yoda could be the one they use in that era, but they don't. There's no need to use him in that era. Yeah. I think if they use him, then that just 
confines the story even more, as opposed to just making up characters and doing whatever they want, that would be ideal, but I don't know. I feel like that's wishful thinking at our point. I think everybody, I, I feel like there's a lot of fans that are looking for just what we just described, and yet Lucasfilm isn't doing it. They're still sticking to, again, what we've heard rumors of, which is Yoda, Kenobi, and Boba Fett. So I'm mm. I'm hoping they get smart and, and finally start to give creative people an outlet to be able to do what they want that isn't, again, connected to these main saga characters that show up there that are very important to the overall story and just they can just do whatever they want but i don't know we'll see if they ever wise up maybe yeah, that's something they'll announce after nine i don't know well so hopefully after we get out of this any trilogy we finally move on i looked it up oh. <laughs> no need josh ian's got it covered <laughs> <laughs> thank god um all right uh any final thoughts i think that's all i got we sort of brought it full circle. Like, we got into DC talk, and then we connected it back to Star Wars. That was, was pretty good. I forgot about all the DC stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so we've just been talking Star Wars for three hours now. <laughs> That's we're all right. An hour and a half for you podcast people that missed that first hour. <laughs> they will never hear the hour that we talked about beforehand. <laughs> that is going to be just dead put and it gone. at the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> if I have to fill space this month. If I have all this allotted time that I haven't used, we'll just throw all 45 minutes of us bullshitting about work and whatever the fuck else we talked people about. People be like, huh, that, that's relatable. I like this show. <laughs> it's a show where they talk to interesting people. And by interesting people, it's just Ian bitching about life. <laughs> like, well, yeah, this fucking construction, man. Show. I can't get around this construction. Fuck construction! <laughs> I always hated the dealership. It'll never stop stealing. Uh... Inside jokes, you guys will never know where they came from. Yay! But father! <laughs> Ian's audition tape continues. Uh, all right, so... Sizzle reels! There's <laughs> a little uh, inside baseball for all of y'all. <laughs> if, if you've enjoyed the show, uh, please stop by iTunes, leave us a five-star rating and review. Uh, be sure to share, subscribe, favorite the show. You can find us on Facebook. Search for Bry Guy to Super Friends or go to facebook.com slash Friends. Uh, you can email us at bryguysuperfriends at gmail.com or tweet us at bgsuperfriends on Twitter. Use any of those avenues to send us questions, comments, topics, suggestions, any of that good stuff. Uh, on behalf of Andy, Ian, and myself, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next time. But father!